So today joining us we have Dr. Chris Byra, who is a recently retired uh, swine practitioner from Western Canada. And uh, Chris is also uh, the manager of CSHIN, the Canadian Swine Health Intelligence Network, as well as the Western Surveillance System, uh, so SWISHIN, or, yeah, SWISHIN um, which is the sim it's a very similar program to OWEN for swine in, the Western, in Western Canada. So thanks very much for joining us, Chris. Thank you. So we'll jump right into some of these questions. Uh, part of the reason we wanted to interview Chris is because he has uh, some of this great breadth of experience and has been uh, putting out some really great information on behalf of the uh, swine industry. So uh, Chris, can you give us a brief overview of CSHIN in Canada, what it is, who's on it, and what happens? Okay, CSHIN um, is, it's the main role of CSHIN was to share on a quarterly basis what is happening in swine health in Canada. So it's the national, um, national part of OWEN, if you want. The three regional networks, OWEN and Rezo in Quebec and the uh, Canada West group, all have their meetings in a quarter, followed by one um, about two weeks later by Cetion. And, and that group Session then produces a report, a veterinary report, and a producer report um, for distribution to producers and veterinarians in Canada. So that's been the main role. This a secondary role has been to follow, uh, you know, new disease outbreaks as they occur. And so, you know, we've primarily been following PED since right since its inception in 2014, and also. Seneca virus, uh, Seneca Valley virus, when it first um, occurred in Canada, or first positives in Canada. The for PED, we've we produce a, a little update only when a problem occurs. So, in other words, it's, there's no regular report, just when we see um, a new case occurring in the country, or if we or if there are new environmental positive samples found in in a province that doesn't normally have them. For example, in Quebec. So our role then is to keep the, all of the pig industry uh, informed about health issues in swine. Okay, great. Um, for those who are listening who aren't intimately involved with porcine epidemic diarrhea, uh, can you explain uh, PED and, as a disease and how it affects swine? Yeah, I guess PED is a, a, um, a coronavirus that causes acute diarrhea, much like TGE. And, you know, we have high mortality in piglets, probably cl getting close to 100% on young pigs and um, affecting the entire uh, swine herd. And so we've had outbreaks in Ontario, had some cases in Quebec, in PEI, and in Manitoba. The disease um, really uh, is, it, we are able to control it by eliminating it. And so all the process on all these farms has been to to get rid of it, but it's a slow process. Okay. Um, and are there any public health or food safety risks associated with PED? No, none at all. So this is strictly a disease of swine and is an economic cost to swine and it's, it's, it's a, an emotional issue for, for uh, the people working on the farm. So in that sense, I guess it is a public health issue. But other mm -hmm. than that, uh, because of, of all the piglet deaths, but other than that, it's, um, it's strictly a pig disease. I can imagine how devastating that would be to lose yeah. uh, to lose these animals they care about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, what can you tell us? Uh, leading, I guess that's a great lead into uh, telling, uh, talking about the recent outbreak that's happened in Western Canada. What can you tell us about that? 
Well, we've um, we've had PED once before in Manitoba. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago, and in the odd case in between. We know that there are some high traffic sites, assembly yards, that are um, repeatedly positive in the environment uh, environmental tests. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the disease has occurred in Manitoba and probably exists in those sites ongoing. There's been there have been a um, some very good protocols put in place to ensure that um, the animals that pass through the assembly yards uh, have no contact with transporters or any other um, uh, pig industry um, sites once they leave that. So in other words, at the assembly yards, one side is negative where you deliver the animals, the, the pickup side is assumed to be positive and those animals go straight to slaughter in the U.S. These are primarily cull sows. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So. So the source of this infection is not known. I mean, a, a cull sow transport is suspected in that there's a major highway very close to the very to the first uh, break um, in this outbreak um, at, at the beginning of May. And uh, so at this point, um, we don't know the actual uh, we don't know the actual source, uh, but that's what's suspected. The outbreak then. We're talking about an area that I, I think is the densest hog area in Canada. Um, certainly, it's got there are a lot of it's all three site production, and there are a lot of very large farms, so 3,000 to 3,500 sow sow units, and the nurseries and, and finishers to go along with those. And mm-hmm. farms are fairly close together, so gotcha. the the hog density definitely has a had an impact on this outbreak. So in any case, uh, there were there are a number of of means that um, were thought to be risk factors that were thought to be uh, causing this to move farm to farm. In some cases, there were instances where they suspected um, transport by wind. There were three sites that that was the only way they could explain it, and certainly there were strong prevailing winds between the, uh, moving this virus in the direction of the two farms that occurred downstream. So, you know, this, this is suspected. The, the primary way that this disease moved around, though, was by direct animal movement. And there were some key um, lessons learned here about uh, the, the organization of labor and the organization of, um, you know, the logistics of, of pigs in these systems, in, in these integrated systems. Some of the largest farms are weaning daily or every other day, and the consequence of that would be that if a farm broke, by the time you got results back, um, then you would already have shipped some pigs to a site downstream. And right. then, of course, you're not being tested again until a week later. They were, they're, the surveillance system uh, that was put in place during this was testing weekly. So, again, you could be, you maybe were negative at the test, but you've been shipping pigs now for the next three days, had already become infected and so then two street two farms downstream would be infected so that structure of 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 how the logistics of the farm uh, network um, the way it operated was in itself a problem um, right sec- the second thing is in a lot of these farms particularly uh, you know particularly in the um, well in, in all in all the different uh, barn types there was a sharing of labor so these systems would be owned by one company, and they would try to use later labor as efficiently as possible. So, so again, um, movement of people, movement of equipment uh, was was probably um, the second 
most uh, common reason for this this bug to be moving around. And I know when we had the when we had the, our big outbreak in Ontario, uh, we learned exactly how infective PED um, can be and how easily it can be transmitted. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it was I mean there so so we we called this area spread. Now there mm -hmm. were some things that 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 were done very effectively in in uh, Manitoba. They when they recognized the outbreak, they um, started doing surveillance in, in a uh, five kilometer area around each farm and, and they, they, they became these buffer areas, they called them. Um, mm -hmm. And in those, they, in doing that, they changed um, protocols for, you know, any of the uh, servicing, service people, for the feed delivery, for all, um, for all contacts with, within that buffer area. And so that um, trucks would never go for, into the buffer area and then go to a, a clean site somewhere else. So the transport system and the service system effectively kept that outbreak um, in this in this one area of Manitoba. Now there were two cases that ended up going um, west and just slightly west, but both of those were direct movements. So that was those situations where pigs were moved prior to finding out that they were positive. So okay. So other than that, it was effective. It kept it out of the slaughterhouses till mm -hmm. till they had to um, market pigs that, that that had been positive. So, but even those those were then following protocols similar to what they did in Ontario. The plant would be, you know, would be using the last shift and uh, do a proper clean out afterwards and so on. And so, okay. keeping it out of the slaughterhouses, keeping it out of any you know truck uh, or any. Uh, uh, fuel service stations, that kind of thing, ha was qu was quite effective. So in in, a, in one way, they've done a good job of isolating this in an area that's so dense with pigs. Yeah, it sounds like they have some unique challenges, just like every area has. But they were able to take some very quick action, which is great. Yeah, I think. Well, I think they learned as they went along. <laughs> sure, and we so, all do. <laughs> yeah, and so. Um, Anyway, the other, the other, uh, you know, the other thing about this weaning, um, weaning several times a week meant that there was all sorts of contacts those farms. So in other words, it's, you know, the the um, more frequent you wean, the more more frequent the doors are open, the more frequent uh, uh, vehicles are touching your place and going to another place. So in other words, the, the frequency um, just increased the the risk um, for these farms, and so so that you know was a fairly um, you know, the, it was a wake-up call for the industry, and and not that they'd necessarily change what they're going to do, but I think if, I think I'll, in a bit I'll talk about you know lessons learned and why mm -hmm. a significant number of farms that were right in the middle of this area did not get the disease. I think that that mm -hmm. was probably an important point too. And yeah, so those are probably that. great case studies. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, so. To jump into how Cetion is involved with the PED outbreak, um, you know, what is Cetion communicating, and how you're, how are you guys involved, and where do those communications go? Okay, so um, we end up getting in. Cetion ends up, uh, you know, obtaining information wherever we can. We have a, a pretty good link with the with the with Manitoba Agriculture and the veterinary community there. So it's from individual veterinarians, for and but primarily from the from the um, veterinary services branch, and um, so they keep us informed in this, as does ZQSP in Quebec, and as does um, S S Swine Health Ontario. They keep us informed of, of cases that happen. So our sources of information tend to be ones that are publicly available, but 
the the thing that I think people find good about the um, the way we distribute this is that we we only send out a notice if there is an issue. So it's so it's not you know it, it, people recognize that they want to hear when it happens. And then I guess the second um, second thing is that you know across the, in, in Swine Health Ontario certainly does a good job of and and, and uh, Owen does a great job of communicating with Ontario, but you know, probably not Quebec or PEI or, or British Columbia. So in that sense, we, we kind of keep everybody informed on, on, the, uh, on the information. So when we, the, my, the mail-out list for the PED update is fairly broad. I mean, it, it, it is initially aimed at the veterinary community, so it goes to veterinarians that are in practice, ones that are researchers, to, to people at, um, at the University at the, at Guelph, uh, University of Guelph um, and to the ministry people, so it's it's spread quite widely. But since that time, we've got a, a fair number of producers that have that have gotten involved, or received the um, the update, as well as um, processors, uh, trucking companies, all anybody who seems to uh, have an interest in in knowing when, uh, when issues happen. So it's it's fairly broad. Um, every pork board receives it, so you know if if they some of them I know in British Columbia they distribute that or they send it out to producers so it, that really varies probably region by region mm, okay gotcha. so Chris um, so I have part of the answer to this but where can Ontario producers find relevant information about the PED outbreak in Western Canada okay well if, if people want to be on our mailing list they can directly contact me uh, my email address is cbyra at shaw.ca, um, and the updates do go to Owen, and, and um, Owen can and will be putting them on their website uh, that producers can see as well. So, so I have the other part of that um, that Chris had mentioned that we're going to be posting weekly updates that Chris is sending out from on behalf of Station um, on our Owen website under uh, under the producer aspect of the website. So if you go to oahn.ca and click on uh, News, it'll be under that area. Um, and you should be able to search it as well on the site. Um, and any producer in Ontario has open access to that. And we will be posting whatever updates are sent to us on a weekly basis. That sounds great. Okay. So um, what are the take-home messages or items that Ontario producers should pay close attention to from the PED outbreak? In Manitoba, well, um, I think you know we can look at these farms that were in the middle of areas of, of um, high concentration of virus. So farms where your neighbor had PED and and remain negative. And it seems the the you know the one step that that has been most effective is, is that these um, farms that ended up um, ramping up their their biosecurity program. Pro, uh, protocols aggressively. So, what do we mean by that? We mean that they, um, you know, they had a plan. They say they were weaning three times a week. They had a plan in place to be able to change that, um, change that system, uh, at least, uh, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, they would uh, ensure that staff and equipment wouldn't be shared, or it was shared in a way that reduced the risk significantly. They would have barriers at the driveway, so you had to already ch uh, change boots. Um, at the beginning of the driveway, park park there, and then change again going into the barn. Um, you know, the pigs weren't held in loadouts. The uh, and and you know, enhanced cleaning and disinfection of loadouts happened. So all these all these steps 
um, were just done much more aggressively than they are in normal times. And, and, you know, people will argue that, you know, this is just too awkward and too difficult. Well, you know, I, nobody's suggesting that that would be the norm, but that's what should happen when you, your neighbor or um, someone near you has uh, a PD outbreak. And those are the farms that have successfully kept the virus out. Okay. You know, you know that, that's probably the most, uh, the most important one. Um, and, you know, the other thing in, in farms that did, did become positive, there were farms that were capable of keeping it in one barn and not in the next, you know, in, in the adjacent nurseries, for example. And mm-hmm. so, again, so internal biosecurity uh, made a huge difference. So anyway, I think the, you know, the, the key here is that, you know, enhanced biosecurity was the main um, was the main savior of these farms, and I think the key is to have a plan for that if you had the disease, or even PERS or a different disease happen nearby, that you actually have st- steps that you would change if, if in fact, the disease occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that really strikes me is that, um, is that, you know, there's always new diseases coming out in there, and whether it's a disease that's endemic in Canada or whether it's a new disease, um, you know, these they hit quickly. They seem to, you know, there seems to be high mortality and high loss um, with yep. a lot of a lot of various diseases, particularly if we've never had it before. So having that enhanced biosecurity uh, plan sounds like an excellent sounds like an excellent thing. Yeah, I think there will be a report com- coming from Manitoba probably midwinter. They're going to do a mm-hmm. you know a, a fairly um, detailed list of lessons learned from this outbreak. So we'll probably hear a lot more at that time. But oh, there is, I have done a review of this um, outbreak so far. It was done at the end of August, so you, that's another thing that you could put on your site because it does give you context and gives that's you a fun. fair idea. Of what's okay, happening. we'll make sure to put that up. Um, so I think these are all these are all really great points, and I love the idea of learning from other jurisdictions, and that's part of the reason why we had this. We thought this podcast would be nice and timely. Um, to draw attention to the resources that are there. I know there was a lot of learning that, um, and a lot of sharing of information from Ontario over to Manitoba. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things, yep. um, but I love that the fact that it's a two-way street and we can all learn. That's a very Canadian approach. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we hope so. <laughs> okay, very good. Thank you very much for joining us today, Chris. Thank you.